if I could hold my phone properly, I just scroll through my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. We're doing this more further away. Yep. Um, scrolling through Instagram, d- checking my, you know, stories and all that stuff, and I come across my feed. Jason Camisa posted about a two hundred one thousand mile Suzuki X ninety. You know, like those really short, stumpy things. Yeah. This. Yes. Um. <laughs> so here, here's the description of the post. Uh, just met the fucktard seller at Cars and Coffee, and he's fun as shit. One of you idiots should buy this thing. It's amazing. Also, it has it has a battery post weld hole in the hood. It's it's that legit. Link to the ad in my bio. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so like I read the those words, especially the last one. I was like, Am I reading that right? And like <laughs> I scroll through the shit, and it's. The last, not not the last post. Um, oh, it's an, it's an automatic, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but the seats are like these nice, like kind of aggressive buckets. Okay. Like these, like check out the bolstering on that. Yeah. It's like that's pretty, that's pretty decent. Okay. Yeah. And then there's a video in there showing the whole. <laughs> <laughs> um, I low key want it. I don't blame you. That's I, hilarious. I I I, I do want it ironically. Ironically, <laughs> I know. Oh goodness. But uh, are we are we good? We're good. Are we live and direct? We are. Cool. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever this podcast may find you. It is I, as always, Gavin, and I, Justin. And momentarily before we continue, I'm going to crack a beer. My version of a beer, which is Mountain Dew. Yes. <laughs> this, this is my uh, this is my crack. <laughs> yes crack of choice i'm uh uh, i'm on the third coffee of the day i'm on the second coffee yeah we're going great fucking get good (laughs) i know (laughs) uh anyways welcome uh we there are some things to talk about i've uh my life has been kind of changing in like a i've been altering the direction of it which uh has felt really good to do um in the wake of being not forced but you know uh, politely asked to w- get to work earlier. <laughs> it makes it sound like I'm late. I actually just moved my shift from nine to five to eight to four. Yeah. Um, and I've never, Justin knows this very well that I'm not n- normally a morning person. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Never um, would have guessed. Yeah. Hopefully that is something that, um, as I exit my twenties, I definitely like, you know, kick to the curb kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've been waking up earlier and kind of, what that's kind of done to me has made me want to like change some other things like in my life. And so I've been like hiking more and getting outside and carrying a camel back with me. And like right now I have like a camel back with like some cheese sticks and some grapes in it, just like just a munch on through the day. So like, I don't have like the, these unhealthy snacks. I'm just, you know, just shifting like a bunch of things. And so, yeah. Uh, yesterday I went to, went for a hike actually, um, at like nine in the morning you should uh google the living room hiking trail so you know what i'm talking about this is an audio only podcast but at least so justin knows um it is kind of by the university of utah area in those foothills and they call it the living room because at the end of the trail they take these like slab rocks like i i can't remember i guess they're probably all sandstone but like they're just these flat slabs and someone has made like chairs like actual like lounge chairs out of them I don't know. Uh, if if I, I can't see Justin's screen from here. Yeah, I'm uh, pulling it up and seeing if I can find the... Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I it's, see just like the flat slab rocks. Throw it yep. up. And there they are right there. Yep. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Um, and I have only heard about the hike. I've heard that it's like a medium difficulty hike. It's like it's not, nothing crazy. Yeah. Um, but I've just never done it. And there's this other hike that is in that area that um, my parents and I call it Colorado Road because that's just the road that you park on. It's right in front of the Museum of Natural History. Okay. And it's a trail that goes behind the Museum of Natural History and it kind of juts to the north a bit and circles around Red Butte Garden. And so, like, that's a actually... Is it a longer hike? It feels longer, at least. And, like, there are some more steep parts to it. But um, I was going to go do that one. I kind of got a little lost. Because <laughs> I have I don't feel like I've done it correctly by myself. I, I'm, I normally just follow my mom yeah. <laughs> when, I, when we go. Um, and decided to try something new and take a completely different trail. And while on the hike going up the hill, I saw people coming down the hill... And I was like, hey, by the way, like, where does this go? And they're like, oh, this is the, li- the living room. I'm like, oh, well, now I know. <laughs> oh, I've heard about this one. OK, let's see what this is all about. Um, it's a it's a spot that would be cool uh, for an after work hike for like a sunset kind of thing, because it's this really this gorgeous view of the Salt Lake Valley. It's not like Ensign Peak where it's just like. There's downtown and there's the rest of the valley. Like you yeah. get like a lot of the foothills and it feels like a completely different place. Gotcha. Uh, which is pretty cool. Um, the, however, the problem with doing that this time of year, especially with this heat wave, like I met up with a coworker at nine in the morning and even like an hour into it, we were like, this is toasty, you know? So like doing it when it's like creeping into the, it's worse. So it's September 4th, the day that we're, we are recording this and it's still in the hundreds. We've had this, uh, I mean, the entire West has had this heat wave that's come through, mm-hmm. which we've been hitting or breaking a hundred almost every day. So we have effectively been either tying or breaking a record per this day of the year every day. Yeah. Because normally Insane. it should be generally about 10 degrees cooler. Yeah. It should be in the high eighties, maybe low nineties, depending on the day. Pro- yeah. Yeah. It's about 10 degrees hotter than that. And California is the same way. They're, they've been up in like the mid hundreds uh, wow. on a couple of them, uh, yeah. like mainly south, like Orange County and stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that lives there and he posted it. It's like one day hit like 108. Jeez. That's, that's nuts. Especially with as condensed as LA is, that's uh, brutal. Well, yeah. And the amount of, you know, the the power that air, you know, window units for ACs and stuff pulls, like, are they going to get brownouts? Yeah. Or I mean, are they getting brownouts? It didn't get mentioned. Okay. Somehow it might have survived this one, but we all we all know that the California power grid is on a it's been on thin ice for decades. We'll see. Yeah, I know. Well, that on top of everyone getting Teslas. Yeah, actually, that's that is one funny thing this week is I'm sure you yeah. saw all the. Uh, oh yeah, I did Cal- see that. California asks mm-hmm. people to charge at different times. Yeah. Yeah. And there was actually a debate that I saw on actually the podcast I mentioned to you earlier where they're like, well, here's the problem. The problem is. We look at like they want to be only selling electric cars by 2035, mm-hmm. um, and that's obviously and that got passed. I know this week. I know. Yeah. So that's all fine and dandy, and to it, you know, theoretically, um, and obviously that only includes new cars. You can still resell old internal combustion. They're just banning. Oh, they, the sale they of, can't. I don't think they can outlaw that. Can they're, they? They're, I mean, you could theoretically, but there's it so. wouldn't be feasible whatsoever. And they I, they at least seem to have enough sense to know that. But the problem right. is, he's like, I went back 
13 years. So that's thir- uh, 2035 is 13 years from now. And they're saying that within this next 13 yeah. years, they're going to make power adjustments to make all this possible and to make everybody fine and whatnot. Right. So I did the opposite. I went back 13 years to look at the promises they did in 2009 and 10 uh, to fix this problem. Uh-huh. And I can tell you that all they've done, if you look at like the curve of how much power we need versus how much we're, we're consuming, <laughs> he's like, they didn't do anything they predicted back in 2009 and 10 yeah. to fix where we're at now, let alone what's going to happen in another 13 years. Yeah. So he's like, we'll see. Walk, I mean, it's just going to be a throw caution to the wind and who walk knows. Walk it back. So he's like, I I could almost imagine that a law getting passed when they realize that they're not um, going to be able to have everybody have electric car chargers in their house and have the system handle that where you can only charge during certain hours by law instead yeah. of just you know opting into it. Because you can opt in to via the app on your phone with your car or via the power company to let them allow you when to do it. That's an opt-in thing right now. Yeah. But he's like, I could imagine it becoming a law because it becomes such a problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Anyways, either way, heat wave from hell and AC from hell. And like, it's just been ridiculous. Like yesterday I was detailing at 102 degree heat. Ugh. It was painful. And I Yikes. was telling you earlier, yeah. my truck display, and we all know, like, unless you're driving, the displays on your vehicle are when not you're accurate si- when, to temperature. It's like when you, you know, walk out of the office after a long day at work. And, like, your car's been baking. Like, of course it's going to read, like, 30 degrees higher or something. Yeah. I saw a new record on my truck's display, which is 127. <sighs> which tells you that it's hot. Fucking hot. Right, fucking hot. Yeah, it's not cold when it says that. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, man, it was painful. But... Jeez. <sighs> Anyways. Um... Well, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to start actually hiking during these hot months. Mm-hmm. Is because if I can do it now... I can do it any time of the year. Like, I, I actually can do it in the winter because I actually have these um, – one of the Christmas presents from uh, this past season was from my parents. Um, these silicone – they're kind of like crampons, like by principle, I guess. Okay. Because, like, they're these silicone uh, surrounds, like, really stretchy and durable. You can stretch them around the bottom side of your shoe, but it has chains on them, like metal chains on them. Yeah. Like for your tires. Mm-hmm. So um, we've already gone on hikes and stuff like this past winter. And so I definitely plan on using those for the winter. And also like if I can make it through like the heat of the summer and like sweat my balls off. Like I, if I can make it through that, I can make it through fall. Oh, and like fall will be Fall is going to be amazing. Lovely. Fingers crossed it's not going to be 100 degrees in October. <laughs> yeah, it could go either way. Yeah. I, I could either see this being as the the lead in, and actually the predictions are this could either be the lead into a really fantastic winter because it will swing way far the other way, or I doubt it exactly. Or yeah. it could just be a really lackluster winter again because yeah. our climate, our not just climate in general, but even here in Utah, our climate has been changing slowly over the last hundred years to slightly warmer. Yeah, I mean, it. It's all relative, I suppose, but, like, when we were kids, like, the late 90s and early 2000s and the mid-2000s in Utah were, like, if you look at the numbers and, like, snowfall count, it's, yeah. it was fucking insane. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was, I mean, for me being from Park City, like, that was it. Like, that that's all I ever wanted was, like, crazy big winters, go, you know, actually chasing powder and, like, you know, fresh snowfall and having great snow. Yeah. And actually having a meaningful winter. Like, mud season sucks. But, like, then after that, like, you get actual spring and then actual summer. And, like, we had, like, really distinguished seasons. And, like, now it's like, okay, the winters suck because we have shitty air pollution in the valley. That sometimes a little bit of it creeps up to Park City. Yeah. Um, No, uh, like, we hardly get any 
snowstorms, really. Like, we don't get the snowstorms like we used to, and the amount of snowstorms have dwindled. We'll get, like, three-ish big ones. Yeah. Like, relatively big ones, like, a year. So, or, like, per winter. So. And I I mean, I remember, speaking of early 2000s, back in 2001, the only snow day I ever had was in, I think it was either 2000 or 2001, where we had, like, three feet of snow. Yeah. And and I don't remember when exactly it was, but I do remember, like, that was the only time. We only got one ever, uh, and it wasn't that. It was, like, later. It was, like, 2009 or something. Yeah. Um, my siblings were fortunate enough to get two days in a row. I think it was like four or five years. There was something weird that happened up here in Davis County specifically yeah. where th- there was a freak storm that sh- shut a bunch of shit down. The tolerance it- for snow is different in the valley than it is in the mountains. Yeah, exactly. Um, and down here, it was really their call down here that caused two days of mm-hmm. shutdown was, I think, more major freezing than anything because they couldn't get buses started. And that was where they were uh, because yeah. it was like negative 20 for those two days. Right. And so they couldn't start the buses and couldn't, get school that's funny because like at my house in park city where where i'm from i'm actually not from like in the top of the mountains in in park city it's more of like in the valley in the snyderville basin yeah it's literally a basin and as we all know from school um heat rises and cold sinks so where does all the cold go in the valley yes uh in the well in the basin of uh of in snyderville so um it would be like negative 20 like i you i could count on like not like clockwork necessarily like on the day but um i could pretty much guarantee with utmost certainty that it would exceed negative 18 a couple of times yeah um in the winter like where i'm from so you know waiting out at 10 minutes to 7 in the morning when it's negative 20 like fucking sucks so and i think a lot of it might be the bus depots there um they might actually be indoor warehouses they probably are um whereas the bus depots here are outdoors they do have like mm. plugins for block heaters and shit but that yeah. only does so much right you know when it's negative 20 i had a block heater in my do i have one in my fiesta you do i, I do have one yep and i do have a plug i had one in the outback yeah and i used it i just haven't had a reason to use it in the fiesta because i just park inside and gas engines honestly aren't as susceptible as diesels diesels are the ones that are really like fuck all yeah but if you park regularly outside all winter mm-hmm. like it is just better to have one it is use it because most of those block heaters all they do is they warm the oil so it yeah. makes it nice for the engine to start up right for sure yeah um, but diesels it's not necessarily that it's will it start versus it'll be better to start mm-hmm. with warm. longevity and stuff but mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. But um, before we move into our big main topic, I was going to show you this quick little. Do we one. have a big main topic? Well, the one that you mentioned earlier. Oh, okay. Talking about our uh, uh, the u- upcoming impending film, impending dooms. Um, <laughs> I saw this earlier in the week. Wow. So, so this was from the drive, and this was an article about a six hundred and twenty-six thousand mile Cadillac ATSV. So you think you drive a lot of miles? Here's the crazy thing about this. I actually didn't realize this until I pulled up this article now and proofread it a little bit. I did the math, and I was like, okay, five years since 2017 when this thing was made. That's about 120K a year. That's about what a semi-trucker drives. Yeah. However, what I didn't realize, this car had all of those miles put on it between 2017 and 2019. Two years. Two years. Okay. Um. So... They basically found it on, it's on a Copart listing is what it was from. It's a salvage lot. So at this point it has a salvage title. Oh yeah, it's missing wheels. The The hood is popped. It's mm-hmm. missing a grill. But um, when they pulled up the, yeah, right from right here, 
the records, uh, let's see, they pulled up the real VIN check. Uh, the records indicate um, that it wasn't driven at all or at all those miles um, until 2019. So, I mean, so the car is a 2017 model year vehicle and then it had no records of anything until 2019 when it popped up. Uh, registered in North Carolina with the odometer spun all the way up. Yeah, to 626k. Yeah, and then in the past three years, it's only managed 60 miles. So, which tells us that like whatever caused it to get into the state where it's on blocks and sitting there it was recent. Yeah, it was within the past three years and possibly like yeah. But what? But what happened between 17 and 19? I don't know. That's that's that's, that, the, that's the question. 320. Let's do the math. So 320 or 10 some odd thousand miles. Yeah, 313. A year. Let's so. 313, okay, divided by 365. Motherfucker, somehow that car got 857 miles a day. <laughs> so that's, to give you some oh reference, a an average trucker on an average day, based on the 11-hour drive time limit, can yeah. get between, depending on speed, 650 and 750, just depending on averages. Wow. Um, that's driving for 11 hours a day at like an average speed of between 63 and 68 miles an hour. If you think about this, I mean, I mean, this is cocaine white. It is cocaine white, so they're very well. I mean, that might maybe that's the reason the car is white. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, so much cocaine done all over the that's car. That's what I mean. Um, I, that's why it's at a co-part. I know. Um, it could realistically, like, you don't have drive time limits with this. There's no legal implications as a regular driver of driving yeah, way it's, over it's, 11 it's hours. It's a normal ass passenger vehicle. Yeah, but even then, even if you accounted for that thing driving 16 hours a day, that's still averaging around. 65 70 miles an hour that entire time mm -hmm. so what the fuck was going on and cocaine yeah, yeah, that, that's it's gotta be cocaine hypothesis so i mean they think it was some kind of test mule like um because it was registered in new jersey and like all of most of the big guys have offices in either new york or new jersey cadillac was no different they had their main office at the time in new york yeah um it's just the you have to think like what was this car's life and because what sucks um, because of privacy, which totally makes sense. I wish there was easier ways to dig into like who actually owned the car. Right. There are ways to do that, but like a Carfax will just tell you where, but not who. Understandably for privacy reasons, but um, it sorry, it, it makes me wonder if there was like if there's a possibility that the computer the, that the ECU is actually buggy and moved a decimal point over. Possibly. I could see that. Um, they actually mentioned right here that where it got to Copart was from, it was sold from the company's uh, China Grove, North Carolina test facility to Copart. So it was sent through an auction sure. and whatnot. Um, so I'd say that their um, assumption that it was some kind of test mule is probably valid based, yeah. on, based on that info. Yeah. Um, primary damage vandalism secondary damage mechanical is what's listed as the current problems um, sure. clearly it doesn't have wheels so yes well, and the, the back glass is broken out too and mm -hmm. so it could be that um it honestly could be that it might have cocaine that's that's what i'm saying it, it re yeah <laughs> <laughs> it might have actually even gone into auction and that vandalism could have even happened at auction like or probably it, like in the yard it might have been like yeah. together and functional-ish and then got vandalized and then they had to throw it up as both mechanical and vandalism yeah, damage. Probably. Who knows? Probably. Either way, that's still an absurd amount of you know miles. There's the odometer it picture. Just make, it just makes me think if there's like... It just doesn't seem real. It doesn't. Um, all, all, yeah, also... Um, if if this is real and true, is that... A, is, is this a stock vehicle? Like, is, has that engine been opened? 
like is there a way for us to like get like a you know how do you have a not carbon copy but um yeah uh, you know, like when you open up trees, like when you cut trees and then you see the rings. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there a way, like, I want to know what's inside that engine because if it looks just normal ass, regular with a little bit of carbon buildup as would be with a direct injection turbo vehicle, um, I, I don't know. That's see, it just seems a little fishy to me i i think it could very well be true um because there's a lot you, of different do you, stuff do you think a turbo cadillac motor that was built in the mid uh teens Poss- would, would make it six hundred thousand miles and not be open possible yes likely no i think like, it's very unlikely i think it is um that makes me think it might be an odometer that's just fucky i don't i don't think that i do think the mileage could be accurate but also I- wait can you scroll and see the interior too so they only have a couple pictures, like they're not, sadly, of the drivers. Um, yeah, because the driver's seat is the one that would have the most wear. I mean, but if you could look closely though, go to the front, and like look at the bolster, like I don't know, that but, looks pretty clean. However, high mileage cars, you're you're thinking high use. High mileage doesn't necessarily mean seat wear because you're not getting in and out as much. Yeah, that's true. But the gravity of your ass on the seat is going to also. Mm-hmm. Like indent. wear and indent. I I'm I'm calling shenanigans. I I'm not. I, I think the mileage is real. I don't think it's all original though. I guarantee the like a very likely the engine's been replaced or opened turbos etc. That could be. That, that, I, I yeah. think I think their assumption is right that it's probably a test mule that probably did a ton of bullshit. Is there a Carfax that's available? He, let's see. He did have up here. Vincheck. Let's see if they actually linked a way to see it. Ah. Uh, that just yeah gives you an opportunity. I, I wish okay. they would have uh, actually. Well, but well, hold on though. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of want to run that VIN. I, I want to see, see like what's what. Yeah, wait. I'll go up to the listing. It says the the listing. Oh yeah, right there. The listing. Let's see if uh, sometimes co-parts will have the link to it. Sometimes they won't. Yeah. So we're about to find out. So it did sell. Um, sadly, we don't know how much for. Yeah. Uh, estimated retail value is twenty eight thousand dollars. I think that sounds a little bit high, but okay. Clear VIN report. I, these are yeah order products and services. So I, yeah, I don't think any yeah yeah none of these will actually be paid for. Darn, that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, well, I uh, no extra pictures. These are all the same pictures. I, was, I know. I was just gonna see, uh, but you can still. I mean, you'd have to pay for the VIN if you yeah. wanted to run a VIN. Yeah. Um. I'm curious because I, I I don't think there's a way that that engine would be stock and untouched, extremely at, and, and still yeah and still running at I mean I guess there's no guarantee that's still running, <laughs> but, probably not. <sighs> Here's my assumption: I think their test mule assumption is correct. I bet you that the engine and turbo has been replaced at least once, twice, three times. Who knows? And I think that it Has was just be. I think it was just run for extensive testing on a ton of different shit. But why? But also, didn't they discontinue the ATS? I believe so, yeah. Um, um, boom. Cadillac ATS. Yeah, tw- discontinued in 2019. So so do you think Cadillac would still have, or GM would have a test mule and run continuous tests during the entire production life of this vehicle? I think that... They- I think it's not a bad idea. I just don't think it's likely. I don't know. I do think that they probably could for whatever reason. And even though it's a quote unquote 2017 model year, you got to remember it could be Vind as a 2017, but similar to actually the car we'll talk about later, Jason's car. 
um, where even though it was sold as X model year, it had existed for many years before that because it uh -huh. was a test mule. Okay. Hmm. So this. So you're, you're saying this car could have come out in 2015, not come out, but it could have been you know birthed at in 2015 without a VIN, without a number on it, mm -hmm. and then uh, I mean, because but mm. if you look at it, they say that there's no data until 2019, and that's when it labels that mileage. Because but, but it was a 2017, though, is what the, it was saying. Yeah, 2017 model year. But, like, again, they can VIN that afterwards. If it's a test mule, it doesn't have to have yeah. anything like that. Yeah. So it could have existed since 1415, done all that mileage, and been the test mule for the ATSV platform. And then, you know, the only reason that there's not anything until 2019 is that's when they were just done with it. They had titled it as a 17 and just kind of yeah, sent it off to maybe. pasture. Who knows? Who but knows? that's like the someone knows. That's like the ultimate Ed Bullion car right there. Oh my god! I wonder how many times he's been tagged in that. Uh, probably. A <laughs> Anyways, that was just one funny thing I saw earlier in the week because I, I love insane mileage, and that is oh yeah, that is insane mileage. For that's me. actually it's so insane it's not believable. I know, <laughs> I know. So if somebody ends up finding out the true story of that car, you'd probably have to talk to somebody internal at Cadillac if yeah. you even could get a story out of them. Who knows? But that would be really cool if you could. Because yeah. that car almost needs its own, like, small documentary. <laughs> like, oh my God. what the fuck happened? I'm saying cocaine. I'm saying cocaine as well. <laughs> cocaine white. Cocaine but. white with the busted rear glass and yep. 600,000 miles. <laughs> Press F to pay respects. F. There we go. Just, just hit F. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, that being said... That was really the the primary fun thing I had. I think the only other interesting real automotive thing is that the more details on the new upcoming Type R have been released. Oh, yeah, it's like but, 315 horsepower or something and mm -hmm. roughly the same torque. Yep, and it looks really good. I'm They definitely I mean, did we we talked about this before, I think. Yeah. Um they definitely swung in the opposite direction. Um whereas, you know, the previous gen, the FK8 generation was um quite designed yep <laughs> very designed some would say over designed um i am one of those people agreed however scroll up a little bit um i mean it definitely looks like the previous version was like the 14 year old that you know drinks code red mountain dew constantly constantly uh what's his fucking name from uh from Zombieland? yes that yeah. like if, we, if we're talking about you know, people, well, cars matching with people, like, that's who this is, or who that was. Um, this new Civic Type R, scroll down, I want to see the front. Um, or, there we there go. There you go. Yeah. I'm not saying it's handsome, because it's still based off of the current generation Civic, which looks like it has an extra chromosome. Yeah. Um, but, however, the people who would have, the proprietary people that would have been in charge of the Type R... They made well with what they were given for the for this generation of Civic. I think it looks decent uh, for what it is. I do think what's funny, though... Someone, it's a lot more tasteful. Someone pointed this out to me, which is what, something that I didn't notice last time. Three pipes? And somebody else didn't know. Oh. Um, actually, this taillight design looks very similar to the Stinger's taillight design. Well, not just the C part, but how it like wraps all the way around up top. Well, it looks... <laughs> don't take this personally. That's fine. A mix between a Stinger GT and the Dodge Dart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think so. I think they seem to have taken some rear-end inspiration. And this has become even more of a thing where it's got the, the tail light top extends all the way across as a light bar-like thing, but it's really not like a Like a charger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's really not a light bar. 
Um, whereas uh, the Chargers and a few of the others, that is a light bar, you mm-hmm. know, so it surrounds the whole thing. But the Stinger was this way, where although it extended kind of across the It just the had middle, that, the red plastic It was, it was just a reflector. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it was. So definitely interesting. Just I, I'm really excited to try one of those out. That actually genuinely looks interesting yeah. to me. And, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will be the Honda. I actually really like the interior. I love the classic throwback vents. Like how they have that. Uh, I didn't like it as much at first. Um, the interior is starting to grow on me more with this generation of Civic as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have a, a tablet that's just slapped on the dash. Fucking hate um, it. Yeah, it kind of is what it is at this point. They're, it's become the automotive trend of the of the decade. Yeah, I mean, the uh, screen to frame ratio is less shameful than it used to be. Like uh, the Mercedes, actually. Is probably the worst offender of that. Just these crazy huge frames that go around this like medium sized screen. It's like you could have saved so much like visibility in like you know greenhouse uh, bezels for days. Yeah, um, that's great. That is red flooring. I know <laughs> <laughs> red flooring, red seat belts, and red uh, seats up front in this particular car, at least. Yeah, uh, the previous gen Type R basically was a. A more or less normal Civic interior, and then these crazy red seats. Yep. Uh, really aggressive seats. Uh, I've heard decent things about the Civic Si mm-hmm. for or what? We're on the eleventh gen, I think. Yeah, I think. I so. think the last FK8 was ten. Yeah. I think. Um, I, I hear good things about the shifter, about the new car, uh, decent steering feel. Like this is about the the Si. Yep. Uh, chuckable while still having de- like decent like leg room and stuff. Um. Definitely yeah. does make you, I mean, makes me wonder. I I'm, mean, it looks good. Like, it's decent. Um, I'd like, I would like to drive an old one and the new one because we've only really had two Civic Type R's in this country. We have had Integra Type R's. Yeah. Maybe that's our next uh, generational film. We get uh, Brad's yellow Type R. Yeah. And then we get an old FK8 stock and then one of these. That would be sweet. That'd and be cool. I would love to experience it because, like, I've just. The old one, the FK8, was numb but fast. It was really easy just to hop in and just go. See, and I've never sat in one or been around one. My only experience. Yeah, because you don't like Japanese cars. Ha ha ha. So funny. <laughs> my, my only experience with one of that those. That was a joke. Uh, yes. My only experience with one of those was I was supposed to detail one once, and then homie just ghosted me for an hour and then responded oh. two days later. Oops. Like, he, he never showed up, never responded, never answered phone calls. Two days later, texted me back, hey, sorry, I had something come up. I was like, cool. Well, you're going to have to Oh, pick. thanks for wasting my time. Well, I just I just said, I do what I do with everybody else. I said, okay, cool. Well, since this was a first meeting, we had never done business before, and since you ghosted me, I'm going to need a deposit up front. Otherwise, we're not doing it. Yeah. Homie never responded. Because, of course, of course homie well, doesn't value my time. So he doesn't therefore, value you at all. Yeah. Exactly. So, therefore, I'm not going to value his. Yeah. So... Either way, I definitely need a better experience than that with the cars. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Not that can, that has anything to do with the car. We can the definitely owner. arrange that. Well, I mean, the new one is, you know, we'll, we'll have to see who gets what um, yeah. and what I can manage. But Crazy, crazy. Yeah, okay. man. Yeah, normal wireless charging kit. Yeah, all like normal stuff. I actually do like this interior overall better than the previous one. Yeah. I, I think, the, the previous one actually reminded me more of the Accord. Yeah. Like Sasha, like... My, my good buddy from Belarus, um, I've known him since 2004. Um, actually, it's that, that car is coming up on 10 years of him owning it. That's crazy. Yeah, he's put well over 200K on it. Um, and, 
yeah, he has a 2013 um, Accord, yeah. and like the interior, like the the design language from that definitely transferred over to like the 2017 era of like Civic type or Civic in general. Yeah, I think the uh, the screen wart, as I kind of call them, that screen tacked mm-hmm. on top of the dash, that beside i think this interior overall and the car overall is a lot more buttoned and handsome and a little less childish yeah can you go to like show attack i want to see what like the gauge cluster really looks like uh if they have it interesting that they wouldn't interesting uh there's the center yeah yeah, we went back uh go back again or i guess there's that. that there's that's close yeah that's better uh maybe go to google images and just look up uh, 2022 Civic Si. I know it's, the, it's a different thing, but uh, like gauge cluster. There we go. I just okay, want to cool. see what that looks because like they'll basically very in very typical fashion take what's the normal one and just make it red. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah, like really clean and crisp. It looks like it's it's a screen. It is a screen. Just it's like, an LCD, I, I think. Yeah, just like everything else is yeah. gone these days. Well, the the new uh, G- GRs, the Corolla and the uh, Yaris, are like really fucking basic. They look extraordinarily cheap, but crisp and like bold um, mechanical clusters. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which, uh, by the way, um, just this past week, uh, the GR uh, Corolla and the new GR Supra uh, six speed uh, debuted uh, here at UMC. Oh, nice. Okay. You didn't, you didn't see that? No, I did not. Oh, yeah. They were like like Kristen Lee from The Drive and like a bunch of other journalists. Savage Geese were here. Nice. Uh, Everyday Driver, of course, were out there uh, driving it. So that embargo uh, on, bo- on both cars. Uh, the I want to say it's like the September 7th is the embargo for the Supra and the 14th is the embargo for the uh, GR Corolla. So on those days is when everyone is going to drop their videos. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> You'll hear flooded. all about it. Okay. No, I mean, looking at this, I, I think the gauge cluster looks decently handsome. Yeah. It's it's not a Maybe bad... swipe out SI for Type R, and maybe Google Images has better uh, photos of the actual Type R. There we go. Okay, yeah, they did. <laughs> there you go. F- so... FL5 is the, uh, is the chassis code, I guess, for that. Um, it, so this is something that a lot of people seem to be doing. That's that's clearly a race mode. Yep. Um, where if you've seen like the the new Mustangs, uh, McLaren, I think was the first one. No, Ferrari actually was the first one to have that kind of thing in like the um, La Ferrari. Mm-hmm. They had this kind of like this tube that comes up at an angle and then le- levels out like at the kink and just carries over to the right. That kind of thing. Uh, Ferrari did it first. Uh, Corvette, the new C8, has a mode that's similar like that. Uh, the RS6, or the Audis now, the RS models of Audis do that. I do know that this a lot of this um, isn't just uh, the function of that in a race mode, but also that's actually a throwback to early digital clusters had this type of tack. Mm-hmm. A lot of them did. Um, so it's somewhat a throwback. Well, it's to compress like the stuff that's below 3,500 RPM because you're when you're on a track, you don't need that. Exactly. You need a really clear distinction between RPMs when you're 4,000 and up. Mm-hmm. So it looks like this, yeah, red lines at seven grand, uh, which is on par, I think, for a turbo Honda, for a modern turbo Honda. Yeah, it's it's better than some, worse than others. I, I think that I yeah. think it could have been a little higher because it is a I Honda. I think if you and I did like an old versus new of like, 
Brad's Integra and this, you'd be like, where's where's my RPMs? Where are they? Yeah, that's actually funny enough. My other friend named Gavin that has his white two door. That's yeah. his thing. Is he's been a classic Honda owner for forever, and that's yeah, one but of. He, I mean, he's got a Civic Sport. He does, and so it's a base model. It's not a fancy one by any stretch, but yeah. that's the biggest thing he misses is the RPM he used to have in his Prelude. Yeah, you know, but I, it's a his is his a 1.5 turbo it is okay yeah so you know so and yeah. he knew that going into it yeah. but he's like yeah it's kind of sucks because although it gets great gas mileage and it has more power duh you know it that's why the old shit is going for so much fucking money because that doesn't exist anymore in new cars nope nope that, that's why we have sixty thousand dollars civic size from the 90s and i do think it's funny that there's new cars even new turbocharged cars that have lower red lines than my audi because my audi is a seven thousand rpm red line and that's yeah. a turbocharged car from the 95 yeah but it's an odd number cylinder count true and those but, like v10s rev really high and that's yeah. a, just a derivation of a five cylinder and, well and a lot of the reason they do that is since it's an odd number of cylinders it's inherently yeah. unbalanced so they actually yeah. have a completely separate balancing shaft they do to balance the engine which mm -hmm. makes them be able to do higher numbers mm -hmm. than a four-cylinder because it has that extra stuff right but it's still kind of a bummer that like you look at that and you're like man we yeah, did but the c8 corvette like you know? revs really low too yeah like the, i mean the z06 not necessarily applying here but a standard c8 yes yeah, the z51 um Cool. Well, I mean, I, I'm excited for this car to come out, though. It, it, I mean, the more compact performance cars that we have, like the GR Corolla, like this, like the Fiesta ST and Focus RS, even though those aren't made anymore. Like, the more of those cars that we have, I think the better it is for car enthusiasts. In a lot of ways, it's better. It's just too bad these are going to be marked up like fucking crazy. Just and, like the GR Corolla. And it sucks that we're going to, like, that's just the conversation that we have now. Yeah. Like, new car drops. Okay, great, but how much is it really going to be? Like, who's going to be the first one to try to sell this for a hundred grand? Yep, which is pathetic because even yeah. four years ago, like I mentioned, when I bought my Stinger, yeah, I bought it. After, it's crazy that was four years ago. I know. I bought it after rebates. I got it for about eleven thousand under sticker. Yeah, because um, my so I leased it and then was going to do a lease buyout if I ended up keeping it, and so at my lease. Uh, my total value started at 41,000 and trickled down, mm -hmm. which is insane because it retailed for 52 at MSRP. Because right. at that time, they were really trying to push him out. And it's crazy to well, think Kia was desperate to get those cars out there because mm -hmm. there's a really important Halo car. But the funny thing is now, like, that's flipped on its head. Even for those cars yes. that are still not super popular and super demand, you know, compared to something like a Civic Type R or the or a GR Corolla where, like, there's or lines out the door. Z. Mm -hmm, where there's lines out the door to pick them up. Yeah. Uh, there was actually someone that commented on our Stinger video that mentioned that he was thinking of getting one. He went to go look at one at the dealer. They were originally asking 10000 over Sticker. He got him down to 5000 and then he finally got him down to Sticker, which these days is sadly a miracle. Yeah. Which I hate to say that. In yeah. Do we know if that was sense. a new car, though? Uh, how, how new how new can a stinger be now because they have announced that they're discontinuing them it um but when's the cutoff for those cars i believe the cutoff is there will not be a 23 so i believe okay i believe and i'll let me fact check this real quick um yeah god forbid the six people listening get wrong facts i know and it's <laughs> no so there is a 23 what's weird is that they've been really wishy-washy they've announced like yeah we're gonna stop making it but yeah. then they keep making it yeah because 21 and up have that facelifted rear end and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and the headlights are a little different, aren't they? So they took kind of inspiration from Porsche. So they don't have the four dots like Porsche does for the daytime right. running lights, but right. they have four strikes. Mm -hmm. um, they basically changed the headlights, the taillights, and a little bit of interior. Because 21 mm -hmm. and up also have a four. A and 12 you don't like the cluster. facelift, do you? 
Not as much. Interesting. I think the OG was a little cleaner and worked a little better. Interesting. Um, that's probably also because I owned one. You're first. a bit biased. Yeah, exactly. It's probably because I got used to that look. Mm-hmm. So looking at it like a little differently. I actually like the front headlights and that. I think that looks good. I don't like the rear end as that's much. That's so funny because I like the rear more. Funny. <laughs> I, like, I don't mind the front. I think the front end is fine. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely... So there was actually a gray one a few weeks ago. I was... Uh, getting carl's jr at a drive-thru please don't judge me i was was desperate um and there was a gray one that had like a little wing on on the back yeah it looked really clean Uh, a new face lifted one yeah so it looks like there is a 23 model year but it realistically that's probably it it probably is it's been rumored for a couple years that they were going to turn the facility that was making the stinger into an ev facility because we see how many evs kia and hyundai are pumping out now Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. since that was their newest factory and easiest to convert. Um, so it looks like they've probably been trickling that in and not just a hard cutoff, which is why they're still selling the Stinger. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. But either way, like, it's funny to watch that car having gone from, like, them wanting people to buy it so much that they were giving 11000 off in lease incentives yeah. to now dealers charging MSRP+. Plus. I also think it's funny how you haven't owned that car for three years and we're still talking about it. I uh, know, sorry. <laughs> Um, well, it's a lot of my reference does come from little things like the MSRP thing or stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it was the first new car well, I bought in a big step. Well, there was that, and that was why we started this channel. Yeah. So It really was. So um, you all can thank the Stinger GT for why you listen to us. <laughs> Anyways, um, we were going to talk about something. We There was going to be a transition mm-hmm. like 10 minutes ago, and I kind of forgot about it, but... We'll just use this as the transition. It's fine. Uh, we, I think we can maybe start a newer trend for us of like starting to lightly talk about videos that we're going to film before we actually shoot them. Yeah. Um, we've been doing generational things for a little bit, which is cool and it's fun. Um, it's a lot of work. And as of this point, we haven't even had a thousand people watch our NSX video, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. So... Let's, let me get an actual reading here. Yeah, 784. Yep. Um, which is a bummer, but that's higher than the minis. It's still higher than minis. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's starting to kind of like the delta is starting to grow with that, which is interesting. But, yeah. Um, and that's not why we make videos. We don't make them necessarily to 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 do numbers. <laughs> if we do that, we'd be wrapping Bugatti's pink. <laughs> shade dude no no no. and i don't mean that hey, shade. J- it's hey just, james justin said it i didn't okay i don't mean it as shade i mean it is realistic it's it's flashy it's different and that's what sells shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and he knows that he's a smart dude oh yeah. james is a very smart dude very nice guy yeah love james um no we uh we do this because we want to make videos and we want to have fun doing it we, i want to drive people's cars yeah i want to drive cars i can't afford get a good experience fucking, yeah. fucking sue me no please don't do that <laughs> um the thing that I'm alluding to, uh, I actually, <laughs> I I don't know if you want to keep this in the podcast. If you want to edit it out, it's fine. Okay. If you don't, I understand too. I had a thought the other day <laughs> while driving around. This is how fucked up my, my sense of humor is. Great. Um, I thought about like playing with the, with the algorithm and like with thumbnails and stuff and with the titling <laughs> and this would absolutely get us demonetized. Um, probably get blacklisted for from entering certain algorithms definitely age restricted for sure gotcha but like what if we did a thing of like doing the youtuber face of like oh my god ah, oh my god like you know that yeah 
uh, with like a car in the shot or in the in the uh, thumbnail, like that's all like blurred out or whatever, blacked out, and then like the just in big capital words, just saying like we tried to kill ourselves. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I it would definitely uh, be clickbait, just on way too far. Of an yeah, end. yeah. No, I. I, I actually wonder if that would happen because I have seen people do crazy, cringy shit like that, and I'm like, yeah, well, Logan saw, Paul in the fucking Japanese forest. I still the saw ads on this shit. Like, wait yeah. a minute, there's still, mo- yeah, it makes you wonder but, but, what well, happened. You can only get away with that if you're uh, big enough of a creator. Mm-hmm. There are still like really big creators that still get fucked over. You have to be in the top like top five or top ten, yeah. and even sometimes it's not even a guarantee. I mean that yeah, what what he's alluding to is that we're thinking uh, the next film. Not thinking it is planned at this yeah. point. Yeah. Is going to be two cars that are a bit... You're keeping that in the podcast? Oh, yeah. We're keeping that in. No, I don't think that was the, I don't think that was the worst thing because we did stipulate pretty clearly that, like, we're not going to do that. Yeah, I, <laughs> but, guess, I guess so. I think... But that's just, like, showing my vulnerability and where my sense of humor really <laughs> lies. But um, the two cars we're looking at doing are... We'll call them not. I, I would almost call them non-traditional death machines because there are the the cars that you would generally. They're, they're not think cliche of. At, at least because when yeah. you think of like a car from the manufacturer that was like known to be a widowmaker or tried to kill you is like the 930 Turbo from Porsche or the first generation Dodge Viper or yes. really most generations of the Dodge Viper really. Yeah. Except for probably the very newest one, because the newest one does actually have safety features and more than the rest of them. Well, yeah, they didn't get trash control until Gen 5. I know. <laughs> so there's that. So these specifically, do we want to completely name drop them? I think we can. Okay. Yeah, give the people something to listen or look out for. So The six people that are listening. There's a couple times on this podcast, even even this newer generation of podcasts, that we have mentioned a car named the Rossion Q1. Um, that has been kind of a bucket list car for me ever since we first drove it four years ago right and um we've never actually been able to finish the film for various reasons where the, the car decided it didn't want to finish well the, film it, the first stuff. time it tried killing me and my friend paulina who was riding shotgun mm-hmm. the second time it spun a bearing as far as uh, as far as we know yeah it effectively spun a bearing on the lower end and, and that was uh while we were out shooting yep. like this is on the, like well so it started to make a slight ticking noise on throttle like before we got to handle it and jason made a a mention of that saying like it makes a little knocking noise don't worry about it then i noticed as i was driving it i noticed first with jordan and then as i was piloting it around i noticed it starting to get louder so i got way worse hey let's cut it let's try to just limp it back so we made it about a quarter of the way back at least from as far deep Mm -hmm. as we were into east canyon Uh, oh no we were all the way through east canyon and we were on the uh yeah, because there's me and you, mm-hmm. Jason, the owner, Dave, and Jordan. Yep. And uh, I can't remember who was driving, actually. Because it, 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 while I was driving, it got progressively worse. I did, like, a, a real top speed pull. So Not had, top speed, but, like, a real highway pull. Mm-hmm. And I had my Stinger. So I was the one doing pilot card that day. Like um, Stinger? My Stinger was there with us, yeah. I have a photo of it from when we were loading the Rossi on. My Stinger's parked up front. Why were we using... Because we had already filmed rolling shots? I believe so. I'm not sure. All I remember... I have a hard time thinking we would have used rolling shots for that. No, we, you did have your singer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, this is starting to come back to me. Yeah. So we made it from 
right around the East Canyon Reservoir, all the way back out the Morgan side to about halfway down um, the stretch of 84. We basically got to the mouth of the canyon. Yeah. Um, and then pulled over there. That's when the car said it was done. Jason radioed because we had our walkies and just said, hey, car's done. Let's pull over. Did pulled it start over. Uh, blowing smoke? It did a little bit. Yeah. So that's when he just cut the engine, pulled over on the I side. I think of the I road. was in the stinger at that time, mm-hmm. and I think I saw the smoke from outside. So uh, then we got him a tow, and we get, actually lived. You're welcome. At, it actually, yeah, it lived at my house for a month while yeah. Jason was trying to figure out what to do with it because Jason lives quite a ways down south. Yeah, and, and we are not down south. And it would take quite a bit of a tow bill uh, to get down there because that's about 45, 50 miles or so from Dude, from that. Uh, yeah, point. but I supply AAA. Like we'd be, we would have been fine. No, they still have a limit of twenty five miles though. Most of them. So like for not instance, mine. Oh well, that's not been my experience. Mine is like two hundred. Okay. Well, either way. Yeah. That we decided to do that because he didn't know where he was going to take it, um, and then it ended up hopping around, and the engine finally got rebuilt after quite a long and arduous story that deserves a video in and of itself. Um, you I mean, know. is there anything that you're comfortable discussing here? Because this is actually this is the place to have that kind of conversation. True. Um, the Cliff Notes version would be: it went to a shop in Centerville. That shop gave an asinine bid just to tear down the engine and figure out what went wrong, and that was it. We're talking a five-digit number to just pull the engine out, well, tear it down. There was the other supercar. Uh, exotic that was out in Illinois mm-hmm. that charged him like 11 grand just to look at it. That's no, that was the one in Centerville. Okay. So basically that was the first one. He got that bid from a shop here in Centerville that has, has like a good reputation because they have an inbuilt machine shop and a bunch of other stuff. So there's no doubt they could do crazy work, but their charge to just pull the engine was insane. Yeah, it was nuts. So then it, uh, then he got bids from the guy in Illinois, and that was like five or six, but he'd also have to ship the car out there. There was a so bunch of- resulting in probably more. Yeah. There's a ton of other like question marks there. Yeah. So he took it home, and basically through a couple chain of events, it went to one individual that pulled the engine out, got it disassembled, figured out what, what went wrong. All the pieces went to another individual to rebuild the engine, reassemble a bunch of stuff. And this individual that is, uh, that is kind of heading that project is actually- more well-known in the state of Utah in the car scene than you might actually think. And from there, there was a, a litany of problems from missed communications, at car sitting with windows down outside for Kicking months. the can down the road. Mm-hmm. And then it basically ending up back in Jason's hands after just only about half of the work that was supposed to be done getting done to it. Um, with a missing clutch and a couple other weird things that he had to sort out. Went to a fourth person at this point to end up reassembling it and then a fifth person to tune it because he decided that if he was going to go through this process of rebuilding it, he might as well add traction control because the car didn't have it to begin with and tune it and kind of get a little more out of it because why not at that point? When you're this far into it, you might as well. Mm-hmm. So it had about, that was about a span of two years where the car hopped around from place to place, had a ton of shit happen to it. It got, oh yeah, it also at the uh, main individual's house where it sat for so long, it got backed into. That's um, right, yeah. And it had a problem with the, uh, when it was going up on the tow truck, it cracked the front lip. Mm-hmm. So it got repainted after both those and incidents. And then he also got into a fender bender because of yeah. someone else. Because mm-hmm. then, and then week one of the car being truly dialed, tuned and everything like that, about a, just under a year ago at this point, yeah. He was going to one of his first car shows in the car, and someone that was in front of him pulled over to the right, and then immediately banked left to do a U-turn without checking anything, and he hit them. So then the car had to be repainted again. The car so cursed. The car sadly is very cursed, but which leads me to we haven't been able to ever finish the anything. This has been our white whale. We've been we've tried. This will be the third time we have attempted. Yeah, and fortunately. He's a really cool guy, and he's willing. Jason to... is one of like the kindest, uh, 
I mean, kind-hearted, sweet individuals that we've actually ever had the fortune to, you know, contact and utilize for a video shoot. We've been extraordinarily blessed by people in the past. People that supplied cars for the Audi film, yeah. the NSX film, uh, the Porsches that we shot, um, the cars that we've been able to just show up at somebody's house, pick up their car, drive it, and return it for the day. That's fine. Um, and, and, and that's been amazing. Um, Jason has uh, he's always been there but we've always wanted him there yeah he's never been a burden he's never been you know breathing over the shoulder he's never been like hey tapping his watch like hey i gotta go in like two hours he's He's always been like i mean not just like he's always been um particularly uh enabling of us to do our to do what we do and willing you know to yeah help out and and also like his perspective on life and you know everything else he's a genuinely good individual and so we're happy to like be able to finish this car but like one of the problems is we didn't at this point with being how much we've gone through with this car and whatnot we didn't necessarily want to do just a highlight on this car it's kind of from when we first started trying to shoot this car to now we've kind of changed our content a lot Oh, yeah, we have. And we buffed our game for sure. So Gavin had the idea, like, wait a minute. So the, the Rossian's a bit of a death machine in and of itself. Yeah, and, like, we could do, like, a solo thing on that and, like, you know, give us ourselves a sense of closure and do all that. But I, and I, 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 the jury, in my opinion, is still kind of out whether it would be doing the car more service to, you know, have a solo thing on it or make it more interesting and pair it up with something. Uh, we could just have a film of Justin falling in love over and over and over again with this thing because this is the one thing Justin is such a glutton for punishment and also um, not like considering we do a lot of sports cards, that's not really where your heart lies. I'm very much a pragmatist. I like the balance of you, you a think car of, that can do everything, like eight tenths of everything. My idea of a fun car is something that is lightweight, potentially has no power steering, um, you know sub 25 well sub 3000 pounds ideally but if it goes above 3k so be it yeah um in the right circumstance uh but like small lightweight naturally aspirated manual gearbox chuckable just fun just pure fun yeah your idea of a fun car is something that's probably in in the neighborhood of 4000 pounds with 350 horsepower that's turbocharged and manual and all-wheel drive yes I, I I guess the best way I could describe it is I like the car that can do a little bit more of everything, even though the differences are not necessarily well, huge. Well, and I'm, I'm talking about not just what our car tastes are, because, like, yeah, I also like fast wagons. Yeah, yeah. I love fast wagons. I am, But at the same time, like, what my definition of a fun car is and yeah. what your definition of a fun car can be or what will be are two completely different things. Yeah. Like... I like the BRZ and the Miata and the S2000 mm-hmm. and Lotus Elise. And you're over here like, yes, but big Audi sedan, boat. Or Stinger or et cetera. Or Stinger. I mean, your, your Saab is not that lightweight. It's smaller in footprint. But it still weighs 3,400 pounds. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, it weighs more than your Fiesta. <laughs> a lot more. My Fiesta is a 2,700-pound car. Yeah, so it weighs a good 700-plus pounds yeah. more. Yeah, yeah being relatively the same size <laughs> but this is the rossian is the one car that has kind of uh jumped out of what would typically be my foray this, um, the exception to prove the rule completely um definitely I, I think it's because it swings so far the other direction and because i do coming from the trucking world like love a little bit of 
things being a pain in the ass, like mechanically. I have this. I like to like tame a mechanical beast. I guess you could say that's why I like a lot of us do. Oh, that's why I like in semis. I love driving a non-synchronized transmission because you you have to actually like learn it. It's not just like getting in any other manual car where besides like maybe learning the clutch a bit, most everything else is the same. Mm-hmm. You have to be on your fucking a game to shift it properly. Right. And because this car having. It does have power steering, but it has manual brakes, so no no assistance there. A manual clutch. It has, you know, as far as it does use fluid, but no, like, a, extra assistance to it. It doesn't have an airbag. It doesn't have traction control. It doesn't have ABS. It is... The only safety feature... It has two safety features in the entire vehicle from factory. Yep. It is the, ra- the racing harnesses. Yep. And, um... A nicely, I don't want to say decorated, but a covered roll cage. <laughs> yeah, it has a factory inbuilt roll cage that's wrapped in Alcantara. Yeah. <laughs> and the car came like this. There's a, a total of 79 that were sold. Okay. And they don't have Vince. So the, the story of that car basically. All of them don't have Vins? They don't have, they have chassis numbers. Okay. So no official VIN because they were a kit car. Because yeah. they were basically bodies that were bought from Noble, shipped to South Africa, changed and assembled to a different body and slightly modified, shipped without an engine to America, and then transplanted with the twin turbo V6 and Getrag six-speed in America. Such a weird company. Such a weird company, but that's how they get around all the rules. Because this car has no pedestrian safety bumpers, has no right. crash structure. It's entirely a race car. It is a chassis-built mm-hmm. race car. Because yeah. even the regular Nobles that were sold on the road have those things implemented because they had to to be vind cars Mm -hmm. so it's a carbon tub that has full racing harness that has roll cage and everything like that it's it's one of the closest things you can get to to just a race car for the road as far as how ridiculous it is and it's Mm -hmm. set up with uh, you know adjustable wishbone suspension from factory like it's like that you can tinker with everything you can change everything and it's nuts and i think just because it's so nuts and because of how raw and raucous and rare and just what the hell is that it mm-hmm. is just completely stepped like through everything that i normally look for in a fun car out the door and was like this i like this mm-hmm. can't explain why but mm-hmm. i love this mm-hmm. it's like that uh if i could describe myself as a car person i'm generally like the uh the mid-class businessman that likes a little bit more speed but like also likes that balance with some comfort and a few other like nice touches involved with it and then all of a sudden this is my trip to vegas where i go um (laughs) oh yeah where i maybe go spend a lovely weekend with somebody that's a little crazy Mm -hmm. um at, at a certain uh backwoods bar downstairs in the basement and there's a little bit of a torture dungeon involved yeah 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 and for some I, reason, I mean, that, that is the automotive version of BDSM. It really is. It yep. really is. And so, in in thinking about this, Gavin actually had thought of another car that might be a really good pairing so, for that. Yeah. Um. One of the owners of the NSXs that we had the pleasure of driving, um, this guy Michael, he has quite a few cars, and he's always like, "Yeah, like these cars are meant to be driven. Like, you want to drive it? Here are the keys. Go take it. Have mm-hmm. fun." Um, the NSX that. So he had the black NA1. Yeah. That was featured in the film. And he has a few other toys that I've uh, also had the pleasure of driving, one of which was um, a red uh, end of run uh, 3.2 Carrera. So it was in 1989. It had the G50 five speed manual. Okay. Uh, but it, was a, it had a turbo tail, but with but it wasn't a turbo. Um, 
that was it's like a 220 horsepower 230 horsepower car at sea level okay uh but like a really fun charming vehicle one of my best driving experiences with that car ever was driving uh nebo loop road which is actually where we filmed the black car in our nsx film and uh drove that in the fall with the park city car club there was zero traffic it was like a dream come true driving an air-cooled 911 through the fall leaves with no traffic on one of the best driving roads in the state of utah with no traffic so and he was just like fine with that um the this other vehicle that hasn't been disclosed yet uh is an interesting one it is an in 1981 i believe it's an 81 uh 911 uh sc generation 911 um it's no longer that um <laughs> it's a car from the that was built in the late 70s early 80s it looks like a car that was done it was a long nose so i guess uh early 70s yeah so it's it's a backdate car so it looks like that however um it has the beating heart out of a 930 turbo with the four speed and if that wasn't enough for you it's also turned up to make about 420 horsepower and it still weighs 2,400 pounds. It was like roughly the same weight. Yeah. So no traction control, no stability control, no ABS. Um, it's a four-speed, so you will constant, constantly fall out of boost and then re-experience boost all over again. <laughs> um, and it, it, yeah, it's just a, and the engine's in what people call the wrong place. <laughs> so so it, we're going to put those two cars together and have a good old, good old time. Yeah, and I'm excited to drive that because I I haven't experienced um, my air cooled Porsche experience is very limited. Like I piloted one in a parking lot. That's the most I've done. I haven't actually experienced one in any form of anger. Yeah, um, I think we you need to definitely drive something like a three two or a nine six four or something else. And so obviously this is going to be quite different. This is not in any way, shape, or form how one of those cars would be reflected yeah. as it was. Yeah. But that's kind of the fun of it is I get to say, whoa, this is this is a little wild. And I might actually I think I'll probably come to appreciate the actual OG cars a little bit more from that. Because I'll drive this and be like like mildly unhinged, but in a good way and kind of crazy and shit like that. And then I'll walk back to the other cars and be like, oh, this is nice. Mm-hmm. This is lovely. <laughs> this is delightful. I don't feel like I'm gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> um this car hasn't been listed on Bring a Trailer yet, but I did a photo shoot uh for a bring a trailer listing for a different car mm-hmm. um this 993 turbo okay that uh did i tell you about this did i talk about this on the podcast i don't think so uh well it makes 700 horsepower what it's a maroon or sorry is it maybe even arena red um 993 arena red over um tan interior with like some nice like little wood accenting and this is this is a completely stock looking car yeah 100% like looks fucking stock. And then you see the boost controller. <laughs> I should actually uh find this on my drive. I'm on my Google Drive. Um this might be a second, but let's see. And also I need to bring, pull up uh this this was a car that was a client of Envision. Okay. Um so if you've been to an Envision Cars and Coffee and if you see have seen like a maroon turbo it's probably this car. Um, let me see. Ha, cool. I actually brought up the bring a trailer listing for um, 
the uh, the Porsche we were talking about, the backdate car. Yeah. Uh, mainly just because I was going to go over some things. So like Gavin said, it was a long nose, uh, backdated front end and whatnot to look like the older cars. It's been uh, tons of build on it. It was done in 2016 um, by European Autowerk. Um, Autowerk. Uh, Autowerk. Um, and it had a few thousand miles put on it since then. It's, uh, as Gavin says, absurdly loud. Um, oh, it is. So I've driven this car once before. Uh, it was a year ago when I had the E90 M3. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael is just the best. I, I, I show up with an E90. He's like, here, you should also drive my F30 M3 that I also just got. <laughs> it's also gray and also is a manual. I'm like, okay, oh, cool. Yeah, great. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. Um, and so... Chen, actually, who has been on the podcast before and is our lovely assistant, the Chenathan. Mm-hmm. Um, he so this his first experience driving a Porsche of any ilk was of a, an RS sixty Boxster on the same day that I drove this crazy nine uh, this crazy turbo backdate car. Yeah, um, Chen was in the Boxster behind me coming down Beck Street in North Salt Lake, and there's an overpass over Beck Street in North Salt Lake. And I was in this backdate car in front of him, and I, you know, like all car enthusiasts that, you know, drive under a bridge or an overpass or in a tunnel or whatever, windows down, drop a gear or two, pin it. Rev it out. Yeah, ha- have fun. Um, when I did that, all I heard was the whistle of a turbo and the crazy just the movement of air and induction right behind my ear with also some flat six in there. Yeah. And... That's all I heard. Chen was in the car behind me uh, with the top down. He's like, oh, I'll finally get to like hear and experience like a Porsche Flat 6 for the first time and see what that's all about. And fucking nothing. It was just all me. <laughs> he, he got nothing of his own car. Yeah. And uh, so this car, actually, to give you an example, apparently this long nose conversion was done in 2012 originally, but then was redone in 2018 just before it was thrown up on Bring a Trailer. Nice. Um, with all steel. Because I guess originally it was done with a fiberglass kit to get the long nose front. So it wasn't an OG thing at all. Right. Uh, because it's a different generation of car. Mm-hmm, and yeah. that, so it got wrecked. And then it was actually redone with more original long nose components, like they would have mm-hmm. been basically pulled from an early 70s car including the hood, uh, fenders, latch panel, and a 911S bumper. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a total of 17 grand put into the bodywork to get the car to look like this, which actually isn't as extreme as it could have been. Uh, no, I, if you tried to do that now in 2022, probably double that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just sent you a photo of the traction control uh, knob and setup. Oh, nice. That's intriguing. <laughs> Wow, like belay panel and everything. Yeah. Um. Anyways, yeah, this other like crazy like seven hundred horsepower nine nine three, and um, I I didn't drive it. I just rode with with Dusty. Yeah. And fucking hell, that thing rips. That thing is insane. Seven hundred horsepower is nothing to laugh about, especially when it's in a car that's that light. That light and uh of that vintage too. Like it's not like it's a McLaren where it no the chassis is built to handle it and it knows kind of what it's doing and all that stuff. This is just bolts going to frame in car. That's it. Yeah. Um, let me actually see if I have a... Uh, here, let me... This My mic setup is... Oh, this is actually... Oh, this is that like works way, great. This is way better. Yeah, you sound Holy great. shit. I know I sound better. Um, <laughs> I can also see. Let's see here. I want to just find a picture of this. Come on. 
Well, actually, no. If you, uh, well, I don't know if I if it's quicker to send you to my Instagram or something. Um, if you wanted actually just to see the car mm-hmm. uh, from the outside, I'm good with whatever's easiest. Uh, I'm 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 moving. I'm moving. I'm trying. I'm working with the <laughs> with a 12 year old laptop here. So please bear with me. But either way, we're gonna. So these two cars will be featured together. The Rossian, to be clear, it's the Rossian and this. Uh, the the backdate car, which is this gorgeous powder blue, um, I li- actually liked it before the livery, but um, it's th- this backdate car. This is powder blue. It actually has a golf uh livery on it, like the, the orange that goes with the blue. It's yeah. a whole thing. Um, check your phone. Gotcha. And you know it'll be really interesting because it, it'll be basically comparing. Although the Rossian is, it was never. I would never call the Rossian stock because like. Stock is such a variable term for a car that's that low volume that is that custom from the get-go. Yeah. You yeah. know, but basically comparing two kind of crazy death machines that are both pretty lightweight, yeah. rear-wheel drive, mm-hmm. you know, with both engines in the rear-ish. But they're, they're, one, they are behind in. the driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One's rear engine, one's mid-engine. One's really far behind the driver. And one's also a transaction, or one's also a uh, transverse engine as well, mm-hmm. kind of like an N- original NSX. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's a beautiful maroon. Yeah, is that arena oh. red? I don't know. All I know is it looks gorgeous. It looks great. Well, uh, it's because it's just corrected by Dusty. Ah, uh, <laughs> that's why. That's why the dude does good work. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Shout out to Dusty at Envision. I think that is arena red because all the photos I pulled up here look like yeah. that. That's a beautiful color, though. Yeah, that's that car's been driven too. It's got like forty k on it. Nice. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. The, the the owner of that drives the shit out of it. Uh, he also they also have a nine nine two turbo as nice. well that they like kind of swap back and forth. Nice. So that's what's kind of coming up is us comparing those two cars. That shoot is uh, about a, actually a month away from today. Today? Yeah. Less than that. Today's the fourth. Well, yeah, but it's four weeks out from now. Yeah. To get to the uh, beginning of October, mm-hmm. so effectively a month away when yep. you account for weeks and. That'll be fun. I'm really excited for that. That'll be good. Uh, I know. I'm super excited to scare the shit out of myself. Yes. Because <laughs> that will be with Oh, we're going to be terrified. This will actually be, oh, if we try to get this done, because we're not going to California this year. Yeah. Which sucks, but um, we could try to make it like almost Halloween-y. Yeah. And get it out by the 31st. I think we could, especially because this will be- <gasps> We can get costumes. Especially- <laughs> <laughs> Especially because this will be so much shorter. Um, we could yeah. get like- Dude, the Grim Reaper? Oh, that would be funny. That would be funny. We I, might have to like... I think we're going to do a Grim Reaper thing. Okay, we might... This was already going to be a little bit more funny, like a little bit more on edge, like with our personalities than yeah. some of the other stuff. A little, little, little bit less like professional from the... I might review a car with the Grim Reaper mask on. That would be funny. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Or no, better yet, just have like me sitting in the passenger seat dressed as the Grim Reaper while you drive. <gasps> yes. Oh my God. And I'm going to be stone-faced. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit there. Well, what doesn't matter because you have a mask on. Exactly. I'm just going to sit there and just... Anytime you do something crazy, I'm just going to look over. <laughs> I think that that should be a bit that we both do. I think we I should. think I should be in a Grim Reaper in the Rossian. You should be a Grim Reaper in the Porsche. <laughs> there we go. That's, we got we to gotta do this now. Okay. Go to Amazon. Let's see what they have. Oh, <laughs> oh. So that's coming up. And I actually just thought of one final thing I wanted to mention that I found that was a cool honorable mention from this week. What's up? There was a dude in Wagon Elitist Jerks that posted okay. that he had um, a... Uh, he was effectively the original owner of a 2001 M5 Touring. 
Okay. In the U.S. Wow. So is that still E34? Uh, or no, sorry, E39. So it would have been, oh, it was an E39. Um, so it would have been. So how did he import it then? Here's how it happened. Okay. He didn't import it. In So he had a 2000 E39 M5. And then he had, and then he purchased a 2001. Oh, he did a swap. But it was done by the dealer. That's wild. Okay. Let me actually see if I can find the actual article uh, or, uh, find it in here because he um sadly there's no like drive article or anything about this car it's all done it was all just on the facebook group of there Wagon. might eventually be one we might be breaking some news here because he, he basically said okay i had the 2000 m5 that had about 10,000 miles on it at that, that point and i bought a brand new um e30 e39 three or 528 wagon sure because you could get those you could get 528s and 540 wagons and what happened was he was really good friends with the dealer and they, they agreed to have one of their techs do this on the side in a spare area that they had mm-hmm. where he basically took the 528 with effectively no miles put on it, put it up on a lift, dropped everything out and spent about the better part of six months to a year. That's crazy. Doing this swap and, and included everything. Every nut and bolt from the M5 that would have been different was swapped onto here. Every body panel that would have been different. Sure. The interior. Or like an actual proper wagon. Like actually. Like what would have been OEM. Mm-hmm, effectively done OEM. OEM, and then for good measure, it was procharged <laughs> because it wasn't fast enough. Because it wasn't enough already. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, That's cool. He, he didn't mention it, it's it, the procharging happened at some point later. It wasn't done at the time. Yeah. But he effectively had as close as you could get to a factory E39 touring here in the states from day one. Quote unquote. That's fucking cool, though. That's wild. Yeah. And the fact that it was done at the dealer too. Yeah. So it used all original parts. There wasn't any trickery or fuckery. It There's was no warranty with that. No. No, naturally. The warranty was out the window. Yeah, but, <laughs> but if he has enough money to be fronting for this kind of thing, then he very much, like, he doesn't give a fuck about the warranty, clearly. And I just saw that, and I was like, that is the coolest shit. Like, that's, you know, the, the amount of money that's spent on that, obviously, is not necessarily worth it, but... yeah. At the same time... Well, de- define worth it. <laughs> yeah, defining worth it is difficult, especially when it's effectively, again, without importing it, as close as you could get to yeah. having that car yeah. from factory in the States. I, I see a value in that. You're, you're creating something that definitely didn't exist, and it's not some, like, haggard-ass backyard, you know, uh, Hong Kong spinny boy bolt-on to some fucking backyard fucking Fox body project like no one fucking cares about. Like, I don't know. I, I see that as way more meaningful yeah. and important. Uh, people have done the E46 wagon thing. Yep. Um, People, there's someone that has, I think it's in Utah. Is it in Utah? There's someone with an E46 all-wheel drive M3 wagon. Yeah. Which is fucking nuts. That, that might be a Cali car, actually. I might be getting that twisted, but... But either way, I mean, the fact that he seemingly uh, has all the documentation from new of like the dealer doing all that shit. That's what's so. Cool. Oh, no, this is like every uh, wagon enthusiast, every BMW enthusiast, every wagon enthusiast fucking wet dream. Completely. 100 percent. Completely. And I'm I'm trying to find the post and kind of struggling, sadly. Um, I'd, I'd have to do a little more digging, but I will I will find it and see if maybe I can update a little later. Either way, I just thought it was the coolest damn shit. Yeah. Like. That somebody actually wanted that car enough to go through the effort to pay the probably absurd twenty, thirty thousand, who knows how much to the dealer to have all of that done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so cool, and um, it, you know, yet again, it makes me wish we from factory got more wagons here in the states. But 
Yeah, it's always dwindled. I mean, it's always been dwindling since day one. We we in the states grew out of station wagons once uh, minivans and then SUVs. crossovers and SUVs became a thing. SUVs first, I think. Yeah, yeah. it went. Uh, yeah, minivans, SUVs. You know, because the real big SUV craze started in the late '90s with a yeah. lot of the suburbans and expeditions. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of continued, but either way, it's it's cool. So. Well, sweet man. Well, how long have we been going for Long, today? Our longest yet. We're at uh, almost an hour twenty. Oh, so. fuck, cool. Well, uh, it, this did feel a little long, but we definitely kept talking about stuff. So, yeah. um, if you thought we talked too much, if you thought we talked too little, uh, get at us at Exhibition of Speed on Instagram, uh, mailbag.eos at gmail.com. Um, let's see. I don't know. I, I we don't, I don't have anything else to really plug or talk about. Uh. Yeah, stay tuned for next week. I don't know if you want to come up with more games and stuff. Um, we might. We but might, but we'll see. We will see. Until next time, I've been Gavin. And I've been Justin. And this has been the Exhibition of Speed Podcast. Goodbye. Bye.